Psalms. Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Uh, just like to start a new series, go about four weeks on this, this idea, uh, Can God? And as we work our way into the Christmas season, we'll actually involve ourselves in uh, some of the miracles of Christmas where God just uh, stepped in and did something miraculous. And um, he'll do that in our lives as well. And uh, it's, um, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere. And uh, the spirit is building somewhat everywhere except for maybe in, in Washington, D.C., but it's building everywhere else. And I <laughs> uh, heard a story just today. One of our men was telling me about a couple. Uh, they were empty nesters, and they were out in the mall shopping. And um, they kind of got lost from each other. And so... Uh, she called him on her cell phone and said where are you and he kind of looked around and they were going to kind of meet up and he said well he said uh, do you remember that jewelry store we went to one time she said well which one and he said well the one remember a long time ago we went to this jewelry store and she's kind of getting she's kind of building up it was Christmas that jewelry store uh, we went in there when we were young and we were looking at rings and necklaces and you saw a beautiful diamond heart-shaped necklace. Yeah. So do you remember that? Do you remember we wanted to buy that and both of us thought, well, we just, that young in our marriage did not want to waste our money on that. She said, yes, I remember that. I remember that so well. And uh, he said, I'm in the hunting store right next to that store right there. <laughs> Men are ornery like that, aren't they? Let's stand together, please, read them God's Word. Somebody just got that, okay? All right. Now, we can't do that. That costs us time in the service. <laughs> Psalm 78. We'll pick up reading in uh, verse number 12. It's a great chapter. And in this section, uh, the psalmist is rehearsing some of the wonderful things that God did for Israel while they journeyed in the wilderness. And, uh, but they gotten over that. Great miracles. Look at verse number 12. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as in heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking him meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out the streams overflowed. Can he give us, can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? I'll draw your attention to verse number 19. Let's read that as our text verse tonight out loud. Verse 19, ready? Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? I'm going to speak on that subject for just a while tonight. Can God, can God furnish a table in the in the wilderness and for us what they were saying is this can God really take care of my needs let's pray together father bless now please the reading of your word we thank you so much that we have a copy of your holy book and I pray that you'll bless as we 
try to preach these words tonight be an encouragement to the people that I love and I pray you'll just bless and encourage us tonight with the fact that you can do anything we pray in Jesus name amen thank you, you may be seated as um, we approach the Christmas season we're looking down the barrel of uh, 2020 if you can believe that I never thought I'd ever say those words 2020 when I was a teenager in high school um, I remember when I was get, getting ready to get my license I was afraid that um, the Lord would come back before I got my driver's license and uh, I know none of you felt that way but now I could care less whether I, I drive I always enjoy being driven by somebody well I shouldn't say that there are some I don't like riding with and um, but the, this year coming just by all that we know that's going on in this world will prove to be quite the roller coaster year for me uh, I see it as, as a wonderful opportunity to serve the Lord these are the best days to serve God and um, I'm asking God to do some big things for me I'm asking for God to do some big things in the life of our church have you ever thought about this why would God have us put about 70 parking places on this side and about 55 parking places on the on the east side why would God even allow us to do that how how, how would uh, I was just talking just this past week to brother Anderson our business manager I said how would we have ever paid for this six or seven years ago and um I'm thankful for that, but I just believe that God has some wonderful things for our church. So I'd like to spend these last few Sunday nights of this year building our faith as we consider the road ahead of us in the year 2020. You may be asking God to do some big things in your life this coming year. We serve a great God who stands ready to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you and I cannot hold. Can you, you ever thought about that? You ever put a bucket of water underneath something and and just the water just kept running over you. The bucket wouldn't hold all of it. And I thought about how God so wants to do that. I don't know if you have a piece of paper close by or something you kind of scratch out on uh, this little word, this phrase I want to give you. But I'd like you to take those two little words tonight, can God. I'd like you to write those words down, can God. I'd like you to draw a line out from that and a question mark. And the next few weeks... I want you to take whatever that is that you will fill in that blank. I'm going to ask you to do this sometime. You probably won't want anybody else to see that. We all have some big things we want God to do for us in our life, in our personal life. Can God blank, fill in the blank? Can God maybe heal a relationship? Can God provide something particular that you know you need? Can God do this? Can God? I want you to take that, those two little words, can God, and you finish the sentence. And... Um, I want to take you to some select passages these next few weeks in the Bible that show you that God shows that God can. In fact, I want you to listen to the prophet Jeremiah as he prayed fervently this prayer to the Lord in Jeremiah 32, 17. This is all introduction. But Jeremiah says this, All Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands and recompensest the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name, great in counsel, mighty in work. For thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You understand that God loves us and he wants to give us things. Uh, Israel limited God, we'll see that tonight, 
did not limit him as far as God, the fact that God could be limited himself because there are no limits to God, but limited God in that God, did not, God withheld blessings that he wanted to pour, pour out on Israel. Now in our text tonight, the question is asked by the psalmist, can God furnish a table for us in the wilderness? This question was originally asked uh, in by, uh, ask of Moses by the people in Numbers chapter 11 verse 4 we'll not turn back there but it's during the time they wandered in the wilderness by the way it was asked in a very sarcastic tone if you go back and look at it in fact they compared God's care for them in the wilderness to how they were cared for by the Egyptians when they lived in Egypt they even said this we would rather go back to Egypt than wander in this wilderness and I want to remind you that they only needed to spend about eight days in the wilderness. Uh, theologians say eight to ten days they would have been to their resting place in the promised land. But they turned back at Kadesh Barnea. And because of that, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. So naturally, as human beings, they probably became very impatient with God, uh, which is a waste of time, by the way. Because you and I have a Bible and we can read ahead, uh, we, we already know the answers to the question found in verse number 19. Let's look at their Bibles for just a moment. And the Bible says in verse 19, Yea, they spake against God. In other words, that phrase is rendered in the English, spake against God, but its stronger definition means that they literally criticized God for how He was not taking care of them. And they said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? I want you to draw a line up to verse 24. And here's what the Bible says. And it rained down man upon them to eat, and had given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven. By his power he brought, down, brought, he brought in the south wind. It rained down flesh. By the way, that was quail. Also upon them as dust. And feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. You go back and read in, in Numbers chapter 11. God did that in judgment, and they, they flew upon that, those quail. They were laying everywhere, and they ate so much of that to the full that it, it sounds bad, but it literally came out their nostrils. A very sickening thing because of the way they indicted God. Uh, verse number 28, And he left, and he let it fall in the midst of their camp round about their habitation, Read verse 29 with me together out loud in unison. Verse 29, ready? So they did eat and were well filled, for he gave them their own desire. What's that mean? God did provide for them a table in the wilderness. God furnished it. They got sick of manna, so God gave them a small turkey, I guess, to roast. But nevertheless, God took care of them. You may be asking tonight, can God take care of me like that? When there seems to be nothing, can God take from nothing and give me what I need? Let me just say this, God can. Will you say that with me together? God can. Someone says, can God? You just fill in the blank, God can. Now I want to show you three things tonight. We'll work our way through this pretty quick. But I want you to consider what God can do for you. But notice the spirit of the people. Number one, first of all, notice in our passage the forsaking of God's people. The forsaking of God's people. Verses 20 and 20 uh, and 41, the Bible says they were faithless. Verse 20 says, Behold, he smote the rock, that the waters gushed out, and, the, and the, I'm sorry, uh, yes, and the streams 
overflowed? Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? They were, they were faithless. Look at verse 41. It says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. These are just faithless people. Here, uh, here was a people who called themselves by God's name. Here's a people who should have trusted uh, the Lord without reservation because all that he had did for them. Yet they seemed oblivious to the power of God. Now may I say this, isn't that the way we sometimes can get, even in our generation? Instead of trusting God and living by faith, we, we have a tendency to worry about things, to fret about things that's in all of us. Let me just say this, it doesn't have to be that way. Some of the well, can God? God can. I want to tell you now that we have a God whom we can trust without reservation and without fear. We don't have to be faithless. When we say, can God be faithless? Not only were they faithless, they were forgetful. In verses 11 through 18, uh, Israel seemed to be unable to remember the great miracles, the marvelous things that God had done for them. First of all, he had delivered them from the Egyptian plagues, uh, and he delivered them even by the plagues. He used those. Uh, he parted the Red Sea. How could they ever forget the parting of the Red Sea? He made the waters of Mara pure. Uh, uh, he had put their enemies to flight. He had proven himself to be uh, God and to be all-powerful time and time again, yet they were forgetful of the mighty power of God in their lives. And by the way, we can get that way as well. Uh, they literally walked back uh, the things that God had done. Um, we're described here <coughs> as we look at some of the things that God has done in our life in the history of the church in America. We must be careful. How many times, for instance, can we say that maybe God didn't part a Red Sea for you, but how many times has God moved a mountain for you? How many times has God brought you back from affliction? How many times has... Um, God lifted the veil of suffering in your life and allowed you to see the light of His glory bright, bright to you. How many times has He spoken peace in the midst of your storm and you've walked through that valley, but how many times was God right there with you just like He said He would be? And how many times has He met that need that no one else knew about? How many times has He done the impossible in your life and proven Himself over and over? How many times uh, then have we forgotten all about what He did and then asked God later on say? Well, can God do this? I want you to understand that we take a look back this evening. And we need to remember the things that God has done for us. If he did them then, we can be sure that he'll do them now. We just need to take inventory to remember the Lord's power the next time the storm begins to blow in our lives. God can. Now, some of you right now are facing some spectacular obstacles in your life i don't know what all of them are i know what some of them are but god can tomorrow morning my sister-in-law who has been as healthy as can be her entire life very active will go under the surgeon's knife and they're trusting god to get her through those things they were forgetful they were faithless and can i say if we go down that trail we'll come to the place sometimes where we're just foolish about God and who he is by asking the phrase can God they were proving their ignorance of his power and of his person the same scene was played out many times during the course of Israel Israel's wilderness wanderings they were always murmuring about God Moses got sick of it from time to time even after they got near to Canaan the 12 spies that went over into Canaan 
while they were there they encountered a race of people known as the Anakims these were giants and then they came back ten were faithless spies who saw the giants and they looked at them and then they looked at themselves they compared themselves as grasshoppers you remember the story numbers 13 I thank God for Joshua and Caleb who said God can the others said can God and they they retorted back with the answer no God can't and it calls them to not be able to cross over the promised land how many times have we limited God by saying that God, can't, God just can't do this it's impossible with God this same foolishness has followed the church this very day we are guilty often of the same comparison what God can and cannot do there's nothing God cannot do sometimes a problem will arise in our lives or even in the church and wherever it may be and the first thing we say is can God get me through this the next time that you say those two words can God I hope that you'll never forget this message and re retort back God can God can say that with me together God can it may take other forms but the same is true God can we've already seen it too many times I am uh, praying about next year several things about next year and I found myself while I was in preparation by the way this message I, I do, do this often when I begin to preach a series of messages I'll get a big legal pad out and I'll write the passage down I'm looking at which was this passage in verse 19 and I thought when they asked that question can God furnish a table in the wilderness what a foolish question because I'm looking back and I know the Bible I know that God did furnish them a table it was a wonderful thing they ate angels food you say well I'd have got tired of angels food too well if I'd ever got tired of it I'd never told God I was tired of it every vitamin every mineral every nutrient that man needed was found in that manna they were lean mean fighting machines and then they brought the quail and they had the water have you ever driven along interstate especially up in the mountains have you ever driven along interstate they used to they used to jam they used to pound pipes back in to the rocks along the interstate they don't do that anymore but they drive those pipes back in there so that it would relieve the water behind the walls of that rock and many times we would as a boy I remember driving down the interstate highway where the big rock ledges were and I could see that water gushing out of those rocks can I say that everywhere Israel went they had all kind of fresh water they had everything they needed what more could you ask for <laughs> Toys R Us it went out of business uh, I'm just saying that God in their time spoiled them as I was considering this thought can God I was walking around my office and I was praying and I was considering this can God can God really send revival to America you know just that thought alone spurred me on in this particular sermon series if we believe what we're preaching tonight and we believe what God is saying tonight God can let me ask you a question has he already sent revival in America sure he has at least two times and most say the prayer prayer meeting revivals at least three times America has seen a national revival so we step back and we say well God can, can God do that again now in this generation when, when folks are walking away from God and when apostasy, that spirit is strong and when it seems like that nobody will take their stand for God. Can God send revival in America? Sure he can. God can send revival in this church. God can send revival in your home. God can. 
Anytime we ask, can God, we've got to say back to that, God can. Can God save my wayward loved one? Well, let me just say he does it every day. Uh, as, we were, as we were leaving uh, church this morning, I had folks walk up to me. One of our young married couples, uh, the mother walked up to me and said, a preacher, we're just rejoicing, told me and my wife, we're just rejoicing. My dad, I think she said he was 83. My dad had never been saved. My dad trusted Christ as Savior this past week. She said this. She said, we thought he'd never get saved. Can God, can God, can God, God can, is what I'm saying tonight. One another lady came out and her mother was on her deathbed. I think she said she was 93 years old. Her and her mother, her and her mother had been uh, uh, separated somewhat through life because of some just some hard words had been said when they were both younger. But they, she went to her on her deathbed. She thought, Mom will never understand. Mom will never, Mom will never allow me to get back into her life. And through tears, they both said that they were sorry. And, and the mother said to the daughter, I'm sorry for the way that I treated you over these years. And she said with tears, uh, uh, holding her husband's hand today as they were walking out, she was saying, God can, God can, God can. Don't ever say, God can't. The list goes on and on and on. Can God bring home my prodigal son? He did in the Bible, amen? We must learn to guard against this type of attitude that denies God's power to turn things around in our lives, especially when we know He's done them before. Number two, not just the forsaking of God's people, but the faithfulness of their God. While God's people can forsake and fail God, and their faith in God sometimes. Always remember the faithfulness of our God. In verses 5 through 7, let's look at these in the Bible. Look at verse number 78, verse, verse 5, chapter 70, verse 5. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known unto their children, that, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which, were be, which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children that they might set their hope in God and forget and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that God was faithful to that first generation of Hebrews and the second generation and the third generation and the fourth generation and it's our job as men, as fathers, as grandfathers to give that hope to the next generation. May God help us. God hasn't changed. Israel had, had seen God keep His word time and time again. And he was always faithful to do what He promised. God hasn't changed. He is still the God who keeps His word, everything God promised. Listen to these verses. Romans chapter 4, verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what He had promised, He is able also to perform. Hebrews 6, 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie... We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and he shall not, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Titus 1, 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. That, that is, that's our God. Our God is faithful to us when we become impatient with Him. So, He's faithful to His promises. He's faithful in His performance. Throughout history, Israel had enjoyed the presence of Almighty God and, uh, and the pillar of the cloud by day and the pillar of the fire by night. 
and over and over and over again, God was faithful in his performance and his power. Verse number four talks about his power. Look at verse four. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. I don't want to pass down the next generation this idea of God that God can't dig a church out of a hole that God can't send revival to a church that God cannot supply the needs of a home or a family man the Bible says this in Ephesians 3.20 now unto him that is able to do exceed abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us I want to pass down a heritage where God did something the other day that event where I was standing in my office I was I was looking out her window, and this sounds like a simple thing, so you just have to forgive me, okay? I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm weird in some things. And I was looking out my window, and uh, I was watching them pave the parking lot out there. It had been rock for so long, and we'd worked on it since probably May or June, and it's just a lot of things that held us back. And I was looking out my window there, and um, it just, it was an emotional time for me. Finally, we're getting pavement. It wasn't the, 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 the progress of all of it that finally we're getting pavement it was just really the whole entire project it kind of got to me um, Brother Anderson came in my office and he, I, he saw me looking out the window he said this a watched pot never boils has anybody ever heard that old phrase I turned around and, and I said I just can't get over it he said I know preacher I've been watching them too all morning out my window so we don't work we just look out the window And it got a tear in my eye, and it got a little quiver in my chin, and I said, I just, I just can't believe God lets us even do things like this around here. And I know we live in a box, and we see a building go up, or we see property bought, or we see a $340,000 parking lot, a $250,000 parking lot over here, I know that some of you have been here and for a long time and, and you know that's not pocket change for us. And I sat there and I looked out that window and I, I got a tear in my eye and I even had Mr. Anderson had a little glassy eye before we were finished there. And I just looked at Ken I said, Ken, I, I just, I, I know where I came from. I just take a step back and just say, look what the Lord does. That parking lot parks cars for people to come to worship God. People will get out of those cars and they'll come to this church and some of those are not saved, they'll be saved. There'll be young couples get out of those cars on that parking lot, on that one over there and this one over here and they'll come in here and they'll, they'll solidify their marriage and strengthen their, their relationship. There'll be little kids jump out of those cars and run into these kids, FRBC kids and get all excited about God. You see, I don't look at just a parking lot with, 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 with islands and stripes and all. I see people. And I see all that and I just, I just think about, you know, if God can do this, what can God do? When I came here, we had, I think, nine acres and the building we're in and God just kept 
moving and moving. And by the way, I, I, you look at it maybe as saying, well, when can we slow down? I look at it as saying, well, God can do this. What can God do? I'm interested in all of that. We see not just his power, but his patience. Look at verse 38. I never want to get like these people. It says, uh, verse 38 of, of chapter 78, but he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time, that's an old country phrase there, many a time, preacher, many a time, many a time turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. You ought to circle that word all. And you ought to thank God that he doesn't unload all of his wrath. He's saving a whole, a lot of that back for the tribulation days. While God continued to show himself strong on behalf of his people, Israel continually lacked the faith to trust the Lord as they should. However, the Bible tells us that many a time he turned his anger away from them. God was patient. How many thank God that we serve a patient God? And how many times has he demonstrated that patience with you? Maybe as late as today. God was patient. I want to leave you this last thing, a resolution of firmness. Now draw your attention to verses 6 through 8. Let's read these again. He said, The generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who shall arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Watch this now, verse 8. And might not be as their fathers. Here's the resolution. A stubborn and rebased generation. A generation that set not their heart aright. And whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Steadfast, firmness, solid, unwavering. I want to kind of give you just a threefold resolution I'd like for you to make tonight as we consider this idea of can God? Yes, God can. Number one, build your trust in God. Build your trust. Build your faith. Make it a strong faith. My wife's life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. All thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, uh, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. Now you quote my life verse. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Become steadfast in your faith. Never stop this. Never, listen carefully, never start, stop working and building your faith and trust in God. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, one thing is you look back and you see what God has done for you. I want you to stop and do a little exercise right now. Now I'm the preacher and I could rehearse a whole lot of things to you because you've heard them over and over and I know you get tired of them but I never forget them because of this principle right here how do I build my trust how do I build my faith in God one of the things I do is I look back I look back to see what God has done for me how he saved me how he kept me through different things in my life when I could have been killed one was a, 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 a rafting accident there are other times, I think I've told you over the years, when we could have, our lives could have been taken, that God was faithful. 
God was faithful in getting me uh, out of a situation of crippling arthritis, patient two times at Duke University. God gave us a son. When the doctor said that probably is not likely. God allowed me to leave a particular, uh, one of the best jobs I ever had, and my wife as well, in banking and, and go to Bible college. Now God sustained us in all that. You've heard the stories. I, you, you've heard about, I don't just, that's not just preacher talk. That is my life. How God led me to the most wonderful woman for 41 years now, going on 42 years now we've been married. And the list goes on and on and on. And I could tell you that. I could, I could tell you how God just took me through some deep waters. So that as I look back, I can rest on the fact that God did it one time. If he needs to, he can do it again. Then I look in. How do I build my faith? How do I build this trust in God? I look in. I look back. I look in. I take the word of God. I memorize verses like some of those that I've already read to you tonight. How God can, is a God of the impossible. How God did miraculously. How many understand that when you read all 66 books of the Bible, we serve a great God? And so I pull out verses that, I, that build my faith and build my trust in God. I, I, I watch him as he works through the word of God and does miraculous things for people. I just stand back and say, wow, I want God to do that for me. And then I look ahead. I look ahead at what could be possible. I got a, I got a vision that would scare, it would scare most people to death. It scares my wife. I, don't, can't, I just can't unload all of it on me. She'll say sometime, is that going to be with your next wife? <laughs> no, I only got one. I'm dragging her through life. That's why she has that, that verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, because... My verse is Psalm 37, 4, Delight thyself also, Lord, he shall give thee desires of, of your heart. Hers is trust the Lord with all thine heart. Ah! This man's driving me crazy. <laughs> and, uh, but build your trust in God. When the world wrings its hands in despair and doubt and asks the question, can God, you and I, as born-again Christians, should have such a strong faith that we can look at them and say, sure he can. Sure he can. When the world looks at the declining morality, and that's an understatement, increasing violence, economic trouble, decrease in the popularity of the church, the rise of evil, and they ask the question, can God? We must have an answer ready that says, God can. Now, I'm going to say this, folks. The spirit of Christians in America is scaring me. The lack of faithfulness. The way the world has taken their hearts and run away with it. It's past disappointment and bothersome. If you don't build your faith, trust in God, you're going to fall right in the lump with them. When I look into the Word of God, I look back, I look in, I look ahead. When I look into the, the Word of God, I find people like Daniel in the lion's den. Darius spends the nights wringing his hands wondering, can God, can God, can God get him out of this mess? Daniel enjoys the Lord's peace and rests knowing that God can. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar stood with a smirk on his face, sentenced the three Hebrew boys into the fiery furnace. And he's probably saying, can God get those boys out of there? And the three Hebrews stood there and there's one stood with them that looked as 
the Son of God. And they were saying, God can, God can. They didn't even smell like smoke when they came out of there. The widow of Zarephath stood watching as the prophet ate the last meal in her barrel and wondered, can God fill that thing up again? Three years later, she is still eating out of the same barrel. God can. The disciples in the ship were in the midst of the storm. They thought that they were finished and their hearts were filled with the question, can God, can God get us out of this mess? But in the fourth watch of the night came Jesus. And they all said together, God can. Build your trust in God. Secondly, how can we have a resolution, resolute firmness in our faith? Secondly, recall past works. Think of times that God has delivered you. I've, I've talked somewhat about that. But remember when God saved you. How he's moved mountains in your life. Remember his power and all that he's done. Look at the past. Remember he's able to do that in the future. And then thirdly, obey his commandments. Obey his commandments. The Bible says here that they disobeyed his commandments. Genuine faith in the Lord always manifests itself in obedience to the Lord and his word. You know, quite honestly, obedience to God is really a very very comforting thing if you just obey what God says in his word you can just put your head down and work knowing God will take care of everything else I get up every morning I take my marching orders from God and I move on years ago I heard a story about an old man from the country who took his first airplane ride knowing that he was uh, scared to death and somewhat, somewhat apprehensive about getting on that airplane for the first time. One of his neighbor friends asked him when he landed, he said this, he said, well, did you enjoy the flight? The old man commented, he said, it wasn't bad, as bad as I thought it might be, but I'm going to tell you one thing, I never did, never did put all my weight down. that's how a lot of Christians live their life it would for those of you who didn't get that it wouldn't matter if he put all of his weight down once he was in that plane he was flying okay amen brother Moore I remember years ago I flew with Nevin Wax for the first time and I've been on small planes but he was flying us through a bumpy ride and he had me sitting right next to him as a six seat plane and he had me sitting right next to him I had my seatbelt on, but every time we hit a bump, I'd grab that seat. I'd grab that seat. Brother Wax said, Preacher, it's not going to do you any good to grab that seat. <laughs> and it's not going to do you any good to say, God saved my soul, and I know he's going to take me to heaven, and doubt him for the rest of the ride in life. Yet that's what most Christians do. Let's bow our heads. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can God... What is it that God needs to do for you that you would like for God to do for you? You trust Him in saving you and taking you to heaven. I think everybody has a strong faith in that. What about the rest of your life? What about your marriage? What about your children? What about your grandchildren? What about your finances? What about your job? What about your health? What about your education? 
What about your future? Can God? Can God? God can. God can. Church, I'm burdened for revival in this ministry right here. If we would say that God can, then we believe that God could provide us with a revival, a church revival. Lord willing, we'll do some things next year that's, that's maybe conducive to praying for all that. But could we not pray for revival here in our church?